You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson. Hey, what's up, brother? Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. You know, we've got a very special guest this week. Tell the listeners what we're talking about today. Okay, great. So today we spoke to Hunter Thompson. Hunter is the host of the Cashflow Connections podcast. He's also the author of the Raising Capital for Real Estate, and he's the founder of ASIM Capital. Today we talked to Hunter about raising capital, and we dove into his latest raise of $5.4 million in just 30 days, and we talked a little bit about how he was able to get it done. He also has a huge announcement that we are very excited about, and we are honored to be able to bring to you, so stick around. It's big. It is big, you know, and it was a great episode. Had a great chat with Hunter. Can't wait to share it. But uh, before we do that, just want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and written review. It really helps us grow the podcast, attract more guests, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. And if you're a passive investor or looking to get into passive investing, then head over to our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can grab our guide for passive investing and apartment syndications. Just a quick, easy, awesome guide and intro into the world of passive investing in apartment syndication. So make sure to check that out. And also grab our apartment syndication sample deal. This is going to help you get comfortable with looking at this type of investment. So when the real opportunities come your way, you'll be ready. If you have any questions about what's in either of these resources, drop us a line anytime on our website's contact us page, or you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We post some great content on there. So make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Hunter Thompson. Hunter is a full-time real estate investor and founder of ASIM Capital, a private equity firm based out of Los Angeles, California. Since founding ASIM Capital, he has raised more than $35 million and directed the purchase of more than $90 million of commercial real estate across a variety of asset classes. He is the author of Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. Hunter is also the host of the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast, which is frequently listed in the top 200 investing podcasts in iTunes. Hunter, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks again for having me on. Yeah, we're excited to have you here, man. Very, very excited. You know, let's just dive into it. So we know you have an exciting, exciting announcement to make, but first let's talk about this big capital raise you just completed. So just take some time, tell us a bit about that and how you were able to get it done. Yeah, sure. So just for some context for those that aren't already familiar with me. So basically... I entered in the space in 2010, was very compelled by the world of passive syndications, which at the time were not nearly as popular as they are today, but I'm very happy to see the popularity that they've gained. And my interest in the space was basically looking for ways to increase the predictability of outcome of my portfolio, reduce volatility, and basically to invest in uncorrelated assets. And Real estate presented just an incredible opportunity for the reasons that I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. But within real estate, the mobile home park business in particular, the self-storage business, the senior living business, uh, and at the time, uh, retail, especially grocer-anchored retail. And the reason for these asset classes was basically the recession-resistant component. So the worse the economy does, the more demand there is for the product in a lot of these cases. In the case of senior living, the unbelievable demographic shifts that's taking place right now just creates this unending amount of demand for that product. So within that space, I felt 
my time is best suited rather than becoming an operator in one particular niche, finding a way to vet operators, vet deals from a passive approach, and then investing passively. And at the time, there wasn't really a way to make that a business model, but I spent uh, quite a bit on legal fees trying to figure out how to figure that, uh, create a structure that made that work, and then eventually started pooling investors together and co-investing alongside my group, which started as one person, just me, and then went from five to 10 to 100 to hundreds, and now we purchased around $100 million worth of commercial real estate. So what I do is invest significant capital through my group and act as a placement agent for operating partners that we've established pre-existing relationships with. And these are operating partners that I would consider to be best in class within their particular niche. And without going too much further, that's an interesting position to be in because I am a, a quote, passive investor, but what's kind of coming to be known as the hybrid approach to investing, which is acting just as a placement agent. I'm a registered representative. I have a series 22. And so therefore, I can actually direct investment into someone else's deal, but I can also pool our investors together in a special purpose vehicle and then invest and get my compensation from that special purpose vehicle. So what he's referring to is that we recently did this and it was actually a non-real estate deal, an ATM deal, which is a fascinating space, by the way. And we raised about $5.4 million in 30 days. And it's not the fastest we've raised $5 million, but for some reason, it really made me think, this is a really important milestone. And there's a lot of reason for this. One of them is that if you can raise $5 million, you can purchase a $15 million property with the help of debt financing. And that's a different level than a two or three or four or $5 million property. You're unquestionably playing with the big boys of commercial real estate in the 150 unit plus in multifamily, as an example, space. And that's a big goal for a lot of real estate entrepreneurs. How can I get my first $15 million property under contract? And it kind of inspired me to work on a project, but that's kind of the the groundwork for you know this conversation. We could talk about how I was able to do that, but that's kind of what I was excited to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to talk about you know capital raising specifics or just really how it's done. But uh, especially with this deal, you know, how, you know, how were you able to get this deal done? You've done raises before, but you know, what did this deal look like for you in terms of capital raising? And you know, how were you able to be so successful at it? So, to provide some context. We have not done a deal in 2020 other than this one non-real estate deal. So when COVID hit, we did something really important. You know, we communicated with our investors transparently saying, this is actually really challenging. In fact, we're unwilling to transact in this climate. And I'm talking about March particularly. And the reason for that is that commercial real estate trades on a multiple of income. So you can take the monthly NOI times 12 and divide that number by a five cap or so, and you get a purchase price within a reasonable amount of certainty, what you should buy that property for. The challenge though, is that if you take an inaccurate month one NOI, multiply that by 12, divide it by a five cap, you can get a wildly inefficient purchase price. And we're just simply not willing to transact in an industry where it's very challenging to justify that we're getting a, a discount, discount to market. You know, when we go into a deal, we want to have three things. We want to have a clear vision to value creation. We want to have in-place cash flow. And we want to have a discount to market. 
And if we can't verify that we're able to get all three of these, we can't confirm that it's a good deal. So a really important part of the success of the raise was that we were very transparent about that. We left hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on the table by not doing deals. And then all of a sudden the capacity builds and builds and builds, but also your relationship with your investors builds because you're being transparent about the fact that it's very difficult to transact. Now, I'm not saying that anyone that transacted did something incorrectly. I'm just saying that we were very, very cautious and our investors appreciated it because of the way that we communicated it. Now, we could have just said nothing and just not acknowledge the fact that we were in a massive question mark and a historic kind of situation. But rather than just having quarterly reports, we started sending out monthly reports and just open up the communication to build that relationships with our investors. That's one of the reasons why the, the raise was a success. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of good stuff there. And I kind of want to touch on something that you, that you mentioned was, you know, building this, you know, having those relationships with the passive investors and, and, you know, be able to, you know, be transparent with them and tell them kind of, you know, everything that you're doing uh, as, as a company. And I want to talk about building relationships with investors. So in terms of, you know, being a company who provides investments to, to passive investors, what did you have to do, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit, you know, what are some of the things that you really did to help build those relationships with these investors? Cause you know, like you said, this wasn't a, this isn't a, you know, a real estate deal. It's an ATM deal. So this might be somebody, some of your passive investors first ATM deal. So how were you able to communicate uh, that specifically, you know, saying, you know, this is a little bit different and then also, you know, having built those relationships. So, you mentioned my book at the beginning of the conversation, uh, Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Establish Credibility, Attract Investors, and Fund Deals. And that book is basically inverting the way that most people think about raising money. Most people think about raising money. They vision themselves in the center of the circle, as most people do, thinking of themselves in the wow. middle of the universe. And they think, okay, I'm going to go out and convince this person to invest with me. I'm going to find some wealthy individual. I may contact some wealthy family member or something, someone that owns a business in my family, try to get them to give me twenty-five dollars or $50,000. Maybe I can find 10 people like that and raise a half a million dollars. And the thing that's really challenging about that is that that does work if you do know a couple of wealthy individuals. Sure. But the issue is that three months later when you find a bigger deal or six months later when you find a deal the same size or whatever, those same people aren't going to reinvest with you. It's not time yet. They haven't bought into this idea of real estate investing. They haven't seen a return on their investment. They have no will way of understanding the details of the opportunity because they're not real estate entrepreneurs. They just love you. So they gave you their $25,000. And so this gives you a false sense of security that you're off to the races. In reality, you wasted your time because you haven't done the thing that I'm going to talk about in a second. So what the book is all about is realizing that it's not about chasing anyone around. It's not about trying to convince anyone. I don't do that. I haven't done that in years. What I do is create a robust and scalable infrastructure that attracts leads, nurtures them through email campaigns and podcasts and webinars and just a variety of different sensory inputs, conferences and summits, et cetera. And then by the time that we do get on the, a call or more importantly, by the time I send out a deal, they're eager to invest because we've built an incredibly thorough relationship. We've just done it through scalable and replicatable means, meaning that doesn't take much of my time on a one-on-one -on -one basis because everything I do can be shared and shared and shared again. 
So the system is basically number one, attract, number two, educate, number three, nurture, number four, close. And if you think about it like an upside down pyramid or upside down triangle, it's a funnel that starts with a lot of leads coming in that are attracted to you. And perhaps they want to get your free ebook or your due diligence checklist or seven things you need to know about multifamily investing. And as they work their way through, there's less and less people that are going to go to close. But the point is, the more people you get into the top of the funnel, the more scalable and lucrative your career. And so I think a lot of people make the mistake of focusing all their efforts on closing strategies, for example. But I don't care about getting a 10% increase in my closing strategy. I want to be able to get a 100x increase in the amount of people that are listening to me, the amount of people that are at the top of my funnel. So just understanding that framework can probably help a lot of people uh, in terms of their capital raising side of their business. Absolutely. And so, and so in terms of this deal specifically, this raise specifically, did you uh, encounter any issues with uh, communicating, you know, this is an ATM deal, a little bit different? Yeah. Uh, did, what were some things that, that kind of, you know, came about with that? Yeah. So actually that was unique because a lot of our investors had not invested in the ATM business before. And, you know, I found that in the mobile home park business in particular in 2012, I would be trying to convince people to invest in mobile home parks that had never invested in mobile home parks. It wasn't nearly as common as it is today. And I can tell the ratio is very similar where about if you get 10 people, that I mean smart people, 10 smart investors in a room, and you say, I'm investing a significant amount of my net worth in the ATM business, four will probably think you're crazy without listening to anything about the strategy or the demographics or what, where you're doing this. It just... They're like, dude, did you not know that Venmo exists? (laughs) And that's the perfect ratio for long-term high asymmetric favorable returns because you want a not terribly small, but a genuine amount of those smart investors to just say no because that's the only way you can actually get great returns in this business. And so you're looking for it where other people aren't. And so this particular deal has a lot of nuances where people will go, how is this happening? Aren't we going to heading towards a cashless society? And then, of course, we can talk through how it's possible we can overcome some of those challenges and why this particular strategy is really focused on demographic that's unbanked and underbanked. You know what? I'll give you a like part of the argument that we were talking about with investors. And you can see how I position the, the discussion. So first of all, I'm very well prepared to have the discussion because I am going through due diligence at a rate that's far exceeds even very savvy passive investors. So that's the first thing. You have to be prepared for these conversations if you want to court people that can invest a quarter million dollars. By the way, one of our investors who I don't have a non-business relationship with, they went through the entire process and invested $680,000 without a phone call. Now, that's a ton of work that goes into that, right? A decade of work, a decade of positioning, a decade of credibility and being featured in Forbes and 100 podcasts and having 700,000 downloads. All that work results in, oh, good deal, 100 put out a deal, wire, here it is, 680 grand. And you could do that, by the way, if you're listening, that can happen to you as well. It's nothing special about me. It's just, I have put in a lot of work towards that goal. But, you know, just to make the case of the ATM business really quickly, as an example, um, as investors, we need to understand which way the wind is blowing. And 
the wind is certainly blowing when it comes to the ATM business, but let's think about which way it's blowing. Um, yes, there's cashless societies happening, or not truly, but there's a push for cashless societies. Um, but have you looked into the results of those cashless societies? Many of them have been completely reversed. There's been a lot of outcries in the United States because it negatively impacts the unbanked and underbanked to the tune of about 25% of the adults in the United States are unbanked or do not have a bank account at all. Now, why is that? Well, here's one of the reasons. The interest rate environment in the United States and globally is just smashed down to zero, basically. But that's how banks traditionally make their money, is lending out money with an interest rate. But because of the low interest rate environment, banks have been forced to increase their fees. Additionally, the regulatory burdens of the banking sector has similarly created it and made it completely economically unviable to have low balance accounts. So what this means is that if you have $100 in a bank account, which you know probably around 33% of the United States population does, if you have a $10 monthly fee to maintain that bank account, you don't have a bank account. And that's the reality of quite a few million people in the United States. So right there, you have all this population that needs to transact, but doesn't have a bank account. When you don't have a bank account, you don't have Venmo, you don't have PayPal, all those connect to those things. You don't have a credit card. So that's not really related to capital raising. But the reason I'm saying that is just hearing that, isn't that kind of like planting a really powerful seed that now you may think, may think the investors may think intuitively, wow, I'm starting to see through this veil and I can infer what the math may look like on this deal. And that is so powerful because I'm not beating them over the head with the data. I'm allowing them to come to the same conclusion that I did. Because when you do it, it's like inception. They come, they, they think, oh, I figured it out. And now I'm going to be the one that can explain this to my friend and they're going to think I'm stupid. But then when I explain it, they're going to go, holy crap, how can I get access to the deal? And that's the way that you scale a company. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, like you're saying, uh, uh, the idea of investing in ATMs. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that goes in there. It's a lot of. It's counterintuitive. Like you said, oh, cashless society and all that stuff. And some people might be uh, afraid of investing in that. But obviously, you know, going, getting educated, and just allowing those people to kind of, you know, figure it out for themselves is. Uh, I think that's pretty powerful, and uh, uh, I think that's uh, an amazing investment. Just even in. ATM space. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. But I do want to talk a little bit more about, uh, um, you know, the capital raising and for capital raisers. We talk a lot about passive investing, but I kind of want to talk a little bit more about uh, the capital raising. So, uh, you know, completing the raise that you just did, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great raise. And, you know, uh, I do know a lot of people right now, they're, you know, trying to get um, more active space. You know, they're kind of beginning their, their journey into this and they're thinking to themselves, you know, 5.4 million in 30 days. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. You know, it's just, it just seems like a lot. And uh, so, and I know you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but you know, some of the tactics stuff, but take, talk to us a little bit about some of like your early stages, maybe those couple of first raises, stuff like that, how they went, lesson lessons you've learned to like, and some of the tactics you took from there and like transition to, to where you are today. Yeah. So first of all, this was not something that I just was born with. You know, I was born with a lot of strengths and weaknesses, or I guess a few strengths and many weaknesses, and I failed miserably on my first capital raise. I mean, I couldn't have done worse. I mean, what's the definition of failure? 
literally raising zero dollars in your first raise. I mean, you can't, it's not like I could have lost a hundred grand on my first raise, so it couldn't go worse. But um, I basically fell for the myth that everyone falls for in this industry at least once, which is that if you have a great deal, the money just shows up somehow. And it doesn't matter what kind of deal you have. If no one knows who you are and no one trusts you and you're not credible and you don't have a track record, you don't have an operating partner that you can rely on, that doesn't matter how good the deal may be. By the way, the one that I failed to raise money on was a home run type of deal. So you, you have to stop thinking about the concept that all of a sudden people are just going to be willing to give you their money. This is a different game. If you had success in sales, by the way, you're trying to get someone to buy some 300 pieces of something from you, $300 is different than a quarter million. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of which is that people that have a quarter million dollars to invest uh, are used to tactics and strategies that don't, that no longer apply to them. So, you know, saying things like, well, you told me this was a problem and here I gave you a solution. So aren't you going to move forward? It's like, they've been through this. They don't, <laughs> that doesn't work. So what you have to do is, like I said, you have to build that platform to attract all the right investors. And, you know, I went from failing on my first capital raise to raising a half million dollars on my next one to raising a million and then 3 million and then five and then 10 and then blah, blah, blah. Um, the interesting thing about this one, though, is that it was done in a 30-day time period. And the reason that's important is that it doesn't matter how much money you can raise if you can't do it consistently on, in 30 days, given that's usually you know 60-day, 90-day, 120-day escrow, you have to reliably know, I'm going to send this email out, I'm going to do a podcast, I'm going to do a webinar on the topic, and instantly the money's going to start coming in. And that limiting belief, people are so scared that they don't want to jump up to that $15 million range because they don't want to burn a relationship because they can't, they come up short, right? So what I encourage people to do, um, well, first of all, we're having a summit about this exact topic. It kind of motivated me. This is the question everyone's asking, how can I raise $5 million in 30 days? And I'm going to have 30 or 25 speakers come and talk about their specific strategy. And we could talk about some of the strategies because there's many, you know, in the, so each day has got its own kind of part of that segment. Attract, number one. Number two is educate and nurture. And then day three is close. And so within those, there's 10 speakers in each topic. So let's talk about, you know, Neil Bawa, for example. He's one of the best speakers I've ever seen. But I've never hear, hear him talk about how to be a great speaker. But it's a huge part of his business. That's one. Um, we've got Logan Freeman who's just one of those guys that's so good at networking events that just you walk in, you see him, you want to give him your business card. He already knows everybody in the room, just instant credibility, stuff like that. Um, Reed Goosens, who's an author and a speaker, he's raised millions of dollars from overseas investors, which is something I've never done. Going to talk about attracting foreign investors. So just an incredible amount of speakers that will, that will give you all the tools you need. And each strategy can raise $5 million in 30 days. And there's 30 of them. So you can do the math on that. Really looking forward to it. By the way, you can learn more about the summit at the number 5 million in 30, the number, days.com. Yeah, we'll absolutely put that in the show notes. We're ab absolutely excited for that summit. So is there anything else that our listeners should know about that summit? Maybe, you know, uh, you know the details or anything. I, obviously, they know where to find out more, but uh, is there anything else you want to share about that summit uh, while we're here? Yeah, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. So it's January 6th to the 8th. And... Despite the fact that there's literally half a billion dollars raised 
in equity, um, the summit is free. So you're not going to get a better free. deal than that. Yeah. I mean, so by the way, let's look at it. This is two lenses, right? So I'm trying to create something so valuable, so over the top that you'd have to be a fool not to want to attend it. Right. And that's intentional. I want the deal to be such a no brainer. I've recorded some of these interviews, by the way, and they're each strategy is so specific that they get into the nitty gritty details. Now, I could have just asked the same question to all 30 speakers and they probably give me all general answers, which are basically the same thing, attract, educate, nurture, close. But I want to say, okay, no, Michael Blanc, you know, you're an expert when it comes to email marketing and other things, but I want to know all the details Michael knows about email marketing. And so then it's just like unveiling. So anyway, long story short, I want to add as much value as possible. I want to attract as many people as possible. And once they get in, I want them to instantly understand that I've developed a way to give tons of content and value to them. But now on the other side of that coin, what am I doing? This is a massive, a massive amount of work for free, but it's well worth it because we have a very scalable, replicatable infrastructure. And it starts at the top of the funnel, which is the attraction phase. And so this summit is like the mother of all lead capture mechanisms, which is why it's free. Yeah, and I think it's amazing because I, you know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, and other people are thinking, free. There's, you know, been to many different conferences and other things, summits, and stuff like that, and none of them are free, right? I mean, they all, you all got to pay some fee, and we paid, you know, uh, quite a bit of money to get into some conferences and summits and stuff like that. So to hear it, this is free, and then just some of the names that you brought up, I mean, there's some heavy hitters coming to this summit. So I think that uh, I know I'm excited for it, and so I think our listeners should be excited for it too. But the fact that you know it's a free summit and you had to take in all this valuable information, it's amazing, man. So just first and foremost, I say thank you for putting that on for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I will say there's a VIP package that's 97 bucks where you get to like go to VIP sessions, do Q&A, you get all my notes from all the interviews and all the transcripts and all that. But the, the summit itself, it's free. So ton of value either way. Man, that's awesome. That's, we can't wait for that. Absolutely cannot wait for that. You know, Hunter, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, but before we get out of here, we want to take the time, take some time and shine the spotlight on you. So I know we just talked about the summit, but tell the listeners what else you have going on right now. So again, I appreciate you coming on. I know I posted it out and said, look, I haven't done a speaking engagement in a while, so please let's, let's make it happen. And um, so I do appreciate you reaching out. So um, for listeners that like podcasts, obviously that's why you're listening right now. Um, we have a podcast where we focus on the economics of real estate, among other things, but specifically I tend to be an econ nerd and I'm very sympathetic to the Austrian school of economics. So I've had a lot of heavy hitters in terms of Tom Woods, Robert Murphy, uh, Jim Rogers, just a lot of great people. Uh, cashflowconnections.com if you want to check out the podcast. And if you're a passive investor, it's asymcapital.com. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to make sure to link to all that in the show notes. And I just want to say up front, I know Chris and I both feel the same way, but you know, we first heard about you, Hunter, uh, through the podcast, which you know we liked so much that as soon as your book released, we went out and bought it. It was like, you know, was, wow, you know that's awesome. Hunter, Hunter's putting out a book, so we're going to go ahead, we're going to buy this book. And then we got so much value out of the book we, when we found out about your mentorship program, we jumped on that too because it was just we it was just kind of rolled into it, man. So we really want to say thank you for all the value you provide, and I, I hope that our listeners are going to be able to take away from that as well and uh, be able to use the information that you provided and uh, really uh, scale their life. So thank you. That's really kind of you. I appreciate it, guys. I, I genuinely thank you so much.
Absolutely. Well, you know what, man? It's been a great show. Appreciate you coming on, but that's all we have for today. So our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.